0: Ooh, Sean here. Welcome to another episode. This is going to be Tetsuo, new Tetsuo, Imperial Champion. There's a very old Tetsuo. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't look that one up. I I, I did look at it, but it is is out of my mind. It's from those old legends days, maybe. I don't even know what set it's from, technically. It's a very old card. Legendary creatures that cost way too much mana and they do something maybe, but it costs a ton to do it. It's kind of hilarious how those work out. But there's a new Tetsuo. He's very cool. The deck tech will be coming a little bit later, but I think this is an example of an excellent commander that has a cool kind of ability, but it doesn't pigeonhole you into one strategy. That's what I think is the coolest about this. Tons of commanders are like, hey, I'm a commander that does X, Y, Z. So you want to put your whole deck together to take advantage of that. And that's fine. That's a great strategy. That's it's obvious which way to go. And I kind of like that. I am so tempted to go another direction with those things. It's, it's kind of like, what is the what is the restriction? What kind of things do you have to do with this commander? And where can I have my room to express myself as a deck brewer? is very cool because the main two abilities, um, I mean, I'm going to get into it later, but he's got two attack triggers that depend on being equipped with equipment of a certain mana value. The bigger the mana value, the more stuff you do. Either you fling damage or you cast a spell for free. And that opens us up to a lot of angles. And I, you know, kudos to the designer of this card. Uh, I really wish I looked at, I mean, I'm making a wish I could have easily done. i I would comment on how accurate it reflects the old one. There's a lot of these cool new legendaries that are very similar to their old school version, but in a fun, more modern magic way. And I think that's very cool. This one, very cool. Uh, As you'll see, I've got a a big grab bag episode coming up. I'm going to present you with a lot of different options, a lot of different angles, and I think Like any good grab bag, you can certainly mix and match these. I think it could be really fun to try to cram as many as possible into one deck, and obviously you're going to notice some overlap. I'll point out the overlap as well. So I hope you find something cool in this deck. One of them definitely requires most of its own attention, most of the deck slots for that strategy. So uh, that one's harder to combine, but not impossible. And before we get to the actual deck tech, I will do a little bit of business, and that is to thank you for listening, first and foremost. If you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash commandersbrew is an excellent way to do that. Another great way to support is to go on YouTube and like and subscribe the channel. Leaving comments helps the algorithm get more eyes on the podcast. That's the goal. If you're ordering cards, you might as well use the TCG player link in all the show notes. That helps out too. And if you're a Canadian listener, we've got a better deal from the Wizard Tower for you but I've got two ads that will explain everything. One fake, one real. Here we go. Season's tickets are now on sale for the Darksteel Sentinels. Magic's premier triple EA softball team. EA being that weird, combined letter in that used to be ether. Triple that. Softball team. Season ticket holders to the home opener get a Nenid Thovok grinning fiend bobblehead. The perfect accessory to go on your bedroom shelf in a spot where it has an unobstructed view of you sleeping. And no more than four feet off the ground, please. No reason. It's not like it's going to come alive while you sleep or anything. And now the real ad from the Wizards Tower. Wizardtower.com has all of your article and cool deck tech needs. And additionally, if you are in Canada, you can use coupon code Double to get a 5% discount on all your single orders if you spend $20 or more shipped anywhere in Canada. That's a triple EA deal. And now back to the show. Playball. Okay, here is the deck tech surrounding Tetsuo Imperial Champion. Let me read the card. It's a Grixis Commander, blue, black, red for a legendary human samurai, and you get a 3-3. Whenever Tetsuo attacks, if it's equipped, you choose one. Either you deal Tetsuo deals damage equal to the highest mana value among equipment attached to it to any target. Any target players, creatures on the board that belong to the player you're attacking, or you could just fling a left turn and be like, I'm attacking you, but I'm going to do the damage to this guy's creature way over here. In that way there's a little bit of politics in that you can convince him like, Hey, I need you to let Tetsuo through or like at least chump or something like that. I'll make a deal that it doesn't hurt you too much, but I'm going to fling all the damage at this guy's creature. And I'm doing so because if I attacked them directly, they would kill Tetsuo. That's the kind of deal there. Second option, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand with mana value less than or equal to the highest mana value among equipment attached to Tetsuo without paying its mana cost. To sum up, you attack, and as long as you have an equipment, you look at that equipment's mana value, and then you choose. I'm either gonna do that mana value damage anywhere, or I'm gonna cast a free instant sorcery of that mana value or less from my hand. Can't flashback, stuff like that. Very cool. I think, obviously, before we get into anything, you're going to want to just consider running Umazawa's Jite just for the perfect flavor. It's this person's Jite. Tetsuo made it, made it good, made it popular. If you haven't played with Jite, I honestly haven't either because it was a very expensive card for a long time. I think it's dropped because it was printed in the list, but it's still like a $15 card. And it's like, well, Honestly, I've not analyzed it in terms of commander. Let me do that here, live. Two mana equipment equips for two. Doesn't do any power or toughness, boost, anything like that. When equipped creature deals combat damage, okay, so that's the key here. Whether you t- get hit the player or whether you hit a creature, you're gonna deal combat damage. Whenever it deals combat damage, you put two charge counters on the GTA. Then you remove. you can just remove one counter to either, give equipped creature plus two plus two till end of turn, target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, or you gain life, two life, gain two life. I can see how this is a very snowball-y card, how in like certain limited formats or formats where it's just 1v1, like once you get the G tech going, it's very hard to stop it. I'm going to use those counters to make my creature bigger so your blocks are ineffective, or I'll just make your creature small that it dies or can't block anyway. I imagine you wouldn't do the life gain unless you needed to, but anyway, put it in the deck for its perfect thematic elements this deck tech is less of a one deck tech and more of just a smorgasbord of ideas. Uh, Before we get to the options, the forks in the road, obviously the whole deal here is tied to the mana value of the equipment. So we're going to want to look for equipment that costs to cast, but I think we want the least equip cost possible. So here's, I found this fascinating. Maybe you will too. Guess how many equipments there are That have mana value five or more in the history of magic. Equipment hasn't been around since the beginning of magic, so it's a relatively new technology in the game. I mean, relatively new, I suppose. It's a 30 year old game. There's only 12. There's only 12 equipment, period, that cost five or more. So Tetsuo isn't gonna be casting five drops or flinging five damage around, so we can't really look into those. Are there any that are good? maybe elbrus the binding blade is the only one that costs one to equip it's the seven mana legendary equipment equipped creature which only costs one to do gets plus one plus O. but whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage you unattach elbrus and then transform it and it transforms into withengar unbound it's a 13 13 flying intimidate trample and whenever a player loses the game you put 13 plus one plus encounters on this thing brutal creature to be sure but That's kind of not the point. Like if I'm going to put this seven mana equipment on Tetsuo, I get a cool free seven drop spell or I get to fling seven damage somewhere. But then this thing transforms and it's not an equipment anymore. So I don't get to keep doing it. I think that one's out. Necropouncer is a six mana artifact equipment. Uh, It's got living weapon. So it makes that zero zero germ and attacks it automatically. This one only equips for two. Equipped creature gets plus three plus one and has haste. So two mana to give something haste, not the worst, uh, six to cast for, I mean, at least the creature can attack right away as a three one because it's that little germ. Still, I do believe that if we can't reliably have this, we're not going to be able to build around it. So I'm going to start looking at mana value four or less. This is my conclusion. We are going to build the deck. We're going to look at cards assuming that we'll be able to have a four mana equipment equipped to Tetsuo. And there's a couple that equip for one mana. Exactly two. Sort of. Trailblazer's Torch, four mana equipment. When it enters, take the initiative. And when an equipped creature becomes blocked, it deals two damage to each creature blocking it. And it equips for one. That's what I'm looking for. I don't care that much what it does. I want to equip it for one so that I can either fling damage around or cast free four drop instant or sorceries. The other one, that's why I said sort of two, is because it's Brass Knuckles. It's a four mana equipment, but when you cast it, you copy it. So you make a token copy of the Brass Knuckles. Luckily, this is only a 15 cent card. So I would, if I was running, making this deck, and I just might, I would buy two of this and make one my token copy just looks nicer than a scrap piece of paper so anyway you cast your brass knuckles you copy it and they both equip for one and what it does is it does nothing on its own but equipped creature has double strike as long as two or more equipment are attached to it so you could attach both brass knuckles to something in a pinch and give it plain death touch but as i'm sure you can imagine there's quite a bit of equipment in this deck so i think I will have an opportunity to equip Brass Knuckles to something else with a piece of equipment on it. So that's nice. But that's not all. There's a lot of equipment that equips for no mana with other costs. Demon Mail Hauberk is a four mana equipment. Equipped creature gets plus four plus two. And the equip cost is to sacrifice a creature. Not sure how many creatures we are going to put into this deck. Little germs from equipment is a nice thing to sack for this. Uh, but it equips for no mana, which is nice. Murderer's Axe. It's so a four mana, gives equipped creature gets plus two plus two, and the equip cost is to discard a card. You can also pay three and a black to get packed weapon. And as long as it's attached to a creature, you don't lose the game for having zero or less life, which is interesting. But when the equipped creature attacks, draw a card, reveal it, the creature gets plus X plus X, where X is that card's mana value. You also lose X life. And the equip here is discard a card. So we will have drawn a card. So. That discard a card cost doesn't really hurt us that bad for this one. Finally, Nightmare Lash, 4 mana equipment. Equip creature gets plus 1, plus 1 for each swamp you control. I don't know how many swamps we'll have. I'm not trying to design it to maximize Nightmare Lash, but the equip cost is pay 3 life. We don't lose any cards. And in Commander, we've got a lot of life, so I think that's interesting. I've named 6 spells, 6 cards, that have equip 1 or something else that are mana value 4. We need more to reliably have meta value four but if we're looking at equip two there is any number of them in fact there's 135 eligible equipments with equip two so we've got a bunch of options dealer's choice build to taste and then before we kind of get into the spell side of things i just want to talk about two extra cards that i think go in this deck most likely whichever way you go oath keeper Die daisho it's uh, from Kamigawa block, the original champions of Kamigawa, to be specific. Three mana equipment. It equips for two. Equipped creature gets plus three, plus one. And whenever equipped creature is put into a graveyard from play, return it to play under your control if it's a samurai. Guess what? Tetsuo is a samurai. So this is a protection from the creature. They kill Tetsuo. We let it go to the graveyard. The Oathkeeper trigger happens, and we put Tetsuo back on the battlefield under your control. And when the Oath Keeper itself is put into the graveyard, you remove equipped creature from the game. You exile the equipped creature. I think we put this on Tetsuo. It does open him up to artifact removal. Artifact removal on the Oath Keeper will remove Tetsuo, but I just think it's worth it. Regular destroy effects do I mean, we're going to be getting into combat a lot. So if he dies, comes back to the battlefield and we just have to pay two to re-equip this thing. If we got a ton of other equipment, maybe that's not so great. But again, we only need that one piece of four-man equipment, really. Another creature I want to highlight is Heiko Yamazaki, the General. This is the red one from Neon Dynasty. Three in a red human samurai. Three, three, trample. When it at, or when whenever a samurai or a warrior, <clears throat> whenever a samurai or warrior you control attacks alone, you may cast target artifact card from your graveyard this turn. Tetsuo is attacking alone a lot. I mean, we can. We don't have to, but we certainly can. One of our brews coming up is one where we probably won't be attacking alone, but I think this card is worth making it in. So now that we got that out of the way, we can assume that four is the ceiling. So I'm not going to be casting a lot of free five and six drop spells. But if we wanted to cast a lot of free four drop instances or sorceries, I took a look at what kinds of things they offer. And there are endless options for drawing a bunch of cards. Things like Behold the Multiverse, it's that foretell one. They're all these four mana, scry two, draw two type of things. They're instants, so we can actually cast them if we want to. But we attack with Tetsuo, scry two, draw two, if we got nothing better to do. Behold the Multiverse foretells itself, so we can kind of get a bit of a... I mean, it's theres you can't get a better discount than free. But if we have it and we don't have Tetsuo and it doesn't make sense, we can just put it aside for two mana and then cast it later for two mana at instant speed. Not too bad chemistry's insight is a similar deal where it's a four mana draw two but it has jump start so we can cast it again from the graveyard if we want to keep it rolling i don't mind that and then because of the way Tetsu is worded we actually get to cast sorceries right away uh it's part of the ability so the ability lets us cast a sorcery right now and since we're in the middle of combat that's a way to kind of cheat on a sorcery We normally wouldn't be able to do something like this. That's where sorcery like one with the machine, three and a blue for a sorcery, draw cards equal to the highest converted mana cost among artifacts you control. Well, I probably have a four drop. I mean, to be able to cast this for free, I certainly have a four drop artifact in the form of an equipment. So this is kind of like a free draw four. That's pretty good. And even something like Deep Analysis, it's four up front for the sorcery, draw two cards, but it flashes back for one and a blue to pay three life in addition. So if you cast it for free up front, then you can pay two mana plus three life to draw another two cards. That's draw four cards for two mana and three life. Very good deal. And it's really hard to find unique instances or sorceries at four minute or less that do things that are out of the ordinary. Like I said, there's hundreds of ways to draw cards, maybe even thousands. I'd be curious. But then there's some interesting ones. I'm just going to point them out. Disrupt Decorum is that neat sorcery for four that goads all the creatures you don't control. And I think Hurl Through Hell is an interesting removal spell. We can certainly get removal spells cheaper than four, but this one is a two black red instant exile target creature. And until the end of your next turn, you may cast that card and you may spend mana as though or mana of any color. So we don't just kill it. We kind of exile it and we get to cast it if we want. Neat. Cool options. We've got options. Are we going to go more spells? Are we going to go more fling and damage? Probably spells. But if we do want to fling damage, there's a few options as well. So this is the point where I'm going to branch off into a bunch of possibilities. Everything I've talked about before will stand for all of the decks, you know, pretty much. So take each of these chapters, if you will, as kind of a new idea. I'll say right now a lot of them can be combined, but that's up to you, the person who wants to put this deck together. So it's Tetsuo that does the damage. Let's look at doing the damage if we're going to focus there. Let's do something like Death Touch. So if we can equip with something like Basilisk Collar, that's a one mana equipment, gives a creature Death Touch and Lifelink and equips for two. Now Tetsuo, when it does the one damage somewhere, that'll kill the creature outright, no matter its size. And we gain a bit of life too. Quietus spike is a similar equipment it's a three mana to cast three to equip gives the creature death touch but in addition whenever we deal combat damage to a player that player loses half their life rounded up that can be a brutal amount of life so we can ping something out of the way maybe they don't have good blocks but they have to block it with something we still have death touch uh i think that's a decent one then vorpal sword it's one mana the single black 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 to equip Equipped creature has plus two, plus oh, and death touch. But here's the key with Vorpal Sword. We have five black, black, black. That's eight mana. Until end of turn, Vorpal Sword gains. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. That's Is that better than Quiet Spike? I don't know. Quiet of Spike just works. This one costs a ton of mana, but it's less to equip. They're both very interesting. And if we're looking at doing lethal damage, we have to consider Scythe of the Wretched. It's a two mana equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. It equips for four. It's not the perfect equipment for what this deck wants to do until you look at the ability. Whenever a creature is dealt damage by equipped creature this turn... Let me start over. I think I read... I think I added a word and it confused me. Whenever a creature dealt damage by equipped creature this turn is put into a graveyard, return that card to play under your control. Attach the scythe to that creature. We just get to get a free creature... By flinging the four damage. We needed that additional equipment to do four damage. This only does two on its own because it's a two minute hour equipment. But if we can get a four on him as well, we can fling four damage somewhere. It returns to the battlefield on our side. The scythe goes on to that creature. Uh, so we got to pay four to move it back. Or and I think this works. I think if we have a sacrifice outlet, we can sacrifice that creature right away and then keep the scythe on Tetsuo if that's the preferred thing we want to do. I think that works i think another pretty interesting angle if we're going to choose to do the damage is to give tetsuo wither wither is the ability that says this creature deals damage in the form of minus one minus one counters so when tetsuo flings damage somewhere it permanently shrinks the creature i say permanently i mean they can always do something about the counters but you know what i mean it won't return to its regular size when the turn ends so sickle is a two mana to cast, two to equip equipment, gives a creature plus one plus oh, and it gives it wither, cool. There's an aura that does that, Fists of the Demigod, one and a red or black, Rakdos, so it's a two mana Rakdos hybrid, enchants a creature, as long as the creature is black, it is, it gets plus one plus one in wither, and as long as it's red, it also is, it gets plus one plus one in first strike. It's an interesting card that I gotta wonder if this is worth putting in no matter how we go, because... Giving Tetsuo plus one plus, so it gives it plus two, plus two total. So now Tetsuo is a five, five. It has wither and first strike. So if you think about how that works, I'll hit the creature first. So if I go up against a five, five, well, a first strike, five, five against a first strike, five, five, doesn't matter. Typically a six, six can block a five, five first strike and the six, six will win. Not in this case, we're going to do our damage first. That six, six becomes a one, one because of wither. And now it does its normal damage as one point to Tetsuo. Tetsuo lives. That creature lives too, only as a 1-1. But I think that just illustrates that it would have to be 10-10 to trade. Might be worth it. And then not to mention flinging that equipment around, like or the damage, I mean, we can we fling it as Wither. So maybe this card just goes in no matter what. There's a creature that grants everybody wither. It just kind of turns the game into a game about wither. Two and a hybrid, so three mana for everlasting torment enchantment. Players can't be gain life, damage can't be prevented, and all damage is wither. It's a two dollar enchantment. And needless to say, I'm talking about putting minus one, minus one counters on creatures when I do damage. That sounds like a lot. Like infect, we could consider infect grafted exoskeleton, four mana, two to equip. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and infect, which makes Tetsuo a five, five. So we attack with four mana equipment, do four infect damage to a player, and they have to block the five, five, or they're up to nine poison. Whenever the exoskeleton becomes unattached, though, you have to sacrifice that permanent. So this is the risk of the exoskeleton. But man, infect, we want to do that. Phyresis is a little aura we can put on Tetsuo for two mana. Enchanted creature has infect, very simple. And then there's the option for tainted strike. It's that single black instant. A creature gets plus one plus zero, and gains infect until end of turn. We've probably got enough abilities to give extra power to Tetsuo that I bet you we could get up to nine, which makes a tainted strike a, a just a kill. I mean, that makes us an infect deck, so and then there are there are people who would argue you have to tell the table you're running an infect deck if they got an infect in there. Some people hate it. Here's another way we could go. There's a non-legendary copy spell that costs four mana it's new Irenicus's vile duplication this is another interesting spell at four mana that i found out that i was saving to talk about until now you create a token that's a copy of target creature you control except the token has flying and it's not legendary Spark double is one that does it on creature form. It's not a spell, but it copies a creature, but it is also not legendary. And then maybe you think of something like mirror box, which is a three minute artifact legend rule doesn't apply to permanence. You control, we could try to copy Tetsuo. We've got a lot of equipment. It equips for cheap. If we can make multiple non-legendary Tetsuos and they're all attacking, I mean, being able to fling eight, 12 or, or even 16 damage, anywhere we want in groups of 4 before like the declare blockers step we can either ensure that there's no good blocks from our opponent or just go face with the 16 and then have a bunch of damage coming at you as well ooh it's nice now you're looking up spells that copy things and you're going to find right of replication right of replication is a four mana sorcery that creates a token copy of target creature if it was kicked create 5 of those tokens instead kicker is an additional cost. Tetsuo attacks, you can put right of Replication on the stack for free because it's four mana. We have a four mana equipment. Then the Kicker is an option. We can spend five mana total to copy five something five times. If we've made a non-legendary copy of Tetsuo already, that's how we're going to get like six or seven Tetsuos. We might not have enough equipment to go around at that point, but that's still pretty cool. So of course, Kicker... Additional cost abilities. That's how we're going to get some tons of extra value out of Tetsu because the first, putting the spell on the stack, as long as it has the mana value of the equipment or less, that's the free part. And then the kicker is optional. We can pay it. I gotta highlight something like Inscription of Insight or Inscription of Ruin. These are some of those like big kicker sorceries. Insight is a four mana blue one and it has kicker for two blue blue. So if we do this... The way I'm talking about, we attack, and instead of paying 8 for the full kick, we just pay 4. So for 4 mana, we choose all 3 of these. Return up to 2 creatures to their owners' hands, scry 2, then draw 2, then make an XX blue illusion where X is the number of cards in our hand. Amazing. Inscription of Ruin is exactly the same except it costs 3 up front, but it's got a kicker of 4. So we attack, this gets cast for free, and for 4 mana, 2 black, black, we choose all 3. Target opponent discards two, return a creature card with a mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, or we destroy a creature with CMC mana value three or less. I had a look at all the other ways to do additional costs. Something like capsize has buyback. Uh, it's a three mana instant, but it buys back for three. Very popular commander card, very famous. If you have infinite mana, you can return an entire board to its hand. It doesn't say non-land. You can return target permanent to its owner's hand. But again, Tetsuo attacks, the three is free, and the buyback is all we pay for. So we always will have this in our hand, and it just costs us three. Collective Defiance is another way that works. It's with Escalate. It's one red red for a sorcery. That part's the free part, and then we can Escalate one. It's kind of the deal where you choose one of these three, but every time you Escalate, you can choose an additional. So for two mana, we can choose all three of these modes. Target player discards all the cards, then draws that many. A wheel. Four damage to a creature, three damage to an opponent. I mean, the four damage to a creature part also means we're sort of doing the other half as well. We're also flinging damage somewhere to a creature, not to an opponent. So this is what I love about brewing decks and just kind of brainstorming into new territory because I'm looking at additional costs. I'm looking at kicker, stuff like that. And I think that leads me to a possible next brew. If we look into Maddening Cacophony, we're looking at mill. One and a blue for a sorcery, kicker for four, three and a blue. So, again, the is free and we pay the four as the kicker. Each opponent mills eight cards. If the spell was kicked, each opponent mills half their library rounded up. That's a lot of cards. And I know we'll be helping people, probably, but if we want to, we can also run stuff like Mystic Retrieval, that's the three and a blue sorcery to return an instant sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. It's four mana, we can cast it for free. We can also flash it back for two and a red or Bond of Insight, it's another four mana sorcery. Each player mills four, then you return up to two instants and sorceries from your graveyard. You have to exile Bond of Insight, but we can keep getting maddening Cacophony back. We only have to half our opponent's libraries a couple times before it makes more sense to cast the mill eight, because there's, like, obviously if there's 16, the, the regular mill eight is the same as half your library, so that's how that works. And so is there a world this is i love it so i'm thinking about casting maddening cacophony and getting it back a bunch of times but what if we kind of focused on another type of effect another instant or sorcery that we are planning on returning from the graveyard and casting over and over i would love to cast a bunch of praetors get grasps for free even it's one black black sorcery search an opponent's library for a card exile it face down that player shuffles you can look at it and cast you can play it as long as it remains exiled it says play so we don't have to do it for we it doesn't let us pick any mana for it we have to be able to pay the proper mana but we can also do lands so if we have to we can like grab like a like a five color land from somebody uh as our first steal and then start to steal other things we can kind of pick apart our opponent's decks and try to win with whatever combos they want to win with i think that's so cool Stuff like Covetous Urge is a four hybrid Demir. It's like Demir, 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 Demir sorcery. Your opponent, target opponent reveals their hand, choose a non land card from their graveyard or hand and exile it. You can cast it as long as it remains exiled, and you can spend men of any color. The beauty of this one is we get to see their hand, and if we don't like what we see, we can go to their graveyard. So we'll always have a good target as long as there's something good in the graveyard at minimum. Then you see if there's anything better in their hand. Memory Plunder almost the same thing, but it only works out of the graveyard, but you don't pay for it. You just cast an inciner or sorcery from an opponent's graveyard without paying for it. I think talent of the telepath might be underrated. I don't know. It's a four-minute sorcery, so in our case, free. Target opponent reveals the top seven cards of their library. You may cast an inciner or sorcery from among them without paying for it. The rest go in their graveyard. But if you have spell mastery, if you have two or more instants or sorceries in your graveyard, and I think we will because of the way we're playing, you can cast up to two revealed instants or sorceries. I I realize there's a limit here. I think the things holding this card back is that it's sorcery. Again, doesn't really matter for Tetsuo, and also it's free, so whatever there's definitely going to be tables where there might be only one player who can reliably have a bunch of ensigns and sorceries. I mean, maybe none, like it's, that's possible. So this, this could be sort of dead, but I think the ceiling is way too high. Two free spells off the top seven. I think that's going to hit some good stuff in a lot of decks who homestretch here. One thing I haven't mentioned yet is all those free spells, those spells that literally have mana value zero, but they have suspend on them. I think you got to consider them for Tetsuo because all we need is any equipment that has literally, I mean, any equipment because it'll have mana value zero at minimum. So then we can cast stuff like Ancestral Vision. Normally we're supposed to suspend that for four turns and then when it finally resolves, target player draws three cards, but we just get to do that immediately. Something like inevitable betrayal is well, I think that's bribery. We search an opponent's library for a creature, put it under the battlefield under your control. Normally we have to suspend that for three turns. And then of course something like living end is a classic, uh, each player exiles all the creature cards from their graveyard, sacrifices all creatures they control, and then you kind of flip flop your graveyard in the battlefield. Is that something that you might want to do? Depends how we brew the deck. There's a couple of little, little package here for you that you could run no matter how you go with this. I think no matter what you do, you can make room for a Godo Bandit Warlord, six mana legendary human barbarian, 3 3. When this enters, search for an equipment, put it onto the battlefield. We are going to search for Helm of the Host, and then whenever Godo attacks for the first time each turn, untap it and all samurai you control. Guess what? is a samurai. Then you get an additional combat phase. But with Helm of the Host and Godo... Helm of the Host, for those of you who don't know, it's a four-minute equipment, equips for five, and at the beginning of combat on your turn, you make a copy that's non-legendary. This goes well if we want to do the multiple non-legendary copy version, and in that case, you also throw Godot Bandit Warlord in for sure, but you make a new Godot, and that one will be attacking for the first time this turn. They all untap, you get another combat, Helm of the Host makes a new Godot, who will be attacking for the first time, and you just kind of keep repeating that unlimited combat steps, each one with an additional Godo in it. And if you can get Tetsuo through, if Tetsuo can survive, you're also doing the thing where you're flinging damage everywhere. You're casting free spells. This is why I kind of started with draw spells, because if you're able to do that a lot, you you need a lot of cards in your hand to keep that rolling. I mean, if you've got infinite combats, I don't think people will put up much of a fight. They'll probably have to concede. And here's another wild idea that came into the discord. You have to make this. The whole idea of the deck. What if we make the whole deck Dragon's Approach? This is that two and a red sorcery, deals three damage to each opponent, but you can exile it and four cards named Dragon Approach from your graveyard. If you do search for a dragon, put it onto the battlefield and then shuffle. Obviously, you can have any number of these in the deck, and they're up to two bucks. So you put in about 30 of these, you're doing three damage to each opponent, you're casting them for free with Tetsuo, but then once you get a few going, Maybe you mill a little bit. You just put out something like a Hellkite Charger. And now we've just been given the piece of equipment called the Reaver Cleaver. Look how these two work together. Hellkite Charger, 4 red red, 5-5 five five Flying Haste. Whenever this attacks, you can pay 7 mana, 5 red red. If you do, untap all attacking creatures and you get an additional combat. Well, if you equip it with the Reaver Cleaver, it's a 2 and a red equipment. It's brand new. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one and has trample. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, create that many treasure tokens. It equips for three. So a Hellkite treasure becomes a six, six, and it makes six treasure, which is one short of paying for its seven mana extra combat. That's good stuff. If we can get it one extra power from another piece of equipment somehow, that is an infinite combat step combo, but even if we have to pay one per extra combat step, I suspect we'll be able to get quite a few combats out of it. And if that's where we're going with Dragon's Approach, we probably want a little bit of uh, extra insurance that way, so maybe we tutor up an Ancient Copper Dragon next, 4 Red Red Elder Dragon, 6-5 Flying. When it deals combat damage to a player, roll a d20, create a number of treasure equal to the result. Who? de remind, this card is $60. 60 bucks. Wow. Um. I guess that's commander players wanting that. Anyway, that's way too expensive. Forget I mentioned it. Unless I already have one. Wow. And I didn't even talk about like something like the Runed Crown that tutors up runes. You can put runes on creatures or equipment that give them things like Flying or Haste or Death Touch. This, uh, it's an excellent little package that you probably also want. Look, there's way too many ways to go with this deck. That, to me, is excellent design from Wizards. I think whoever designed this card is doing an excellent job because it's one thing when a commander kind of brews itself, but if you can spot a bunch of fun and exciting brews Using the main mechanic, but it's like flexible but specific. Anyway, it's a sweet spot. It's hard to find, but I think they found it. are just thanks. And a big thank you to our Discord, right? Couldn't have done it without you. This was a thick one. We, uh, maybe this is partly why there's so many angles on this one, because the this Discord was popping for this one. Thank you to Chiefy, Micah Eternities Crafter, Groove Chicken, Nickel Doodle, Jmon. Thank you. And thank you to you for listening as well. You keep being you. The world's a better place for it. I'll see you next time.